This group of shepherds in Luke 2 are doing their job. They're tending their sheep, quite possibly sheep that are waiting to become a sacrifice at the temple as the story begins in verse 8 of Luke 2. So let's read it together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The reason for that is Mary did know who Jesus was, by the way. And, um, and the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now look, this is an awesome, yet simple narrative. And I want us to take a few minutes and work through it. Because I want us to look at this passage and learn how we can be like a shepherd. Here's the first thing we learn from this passage. The shepherds heard the message. Look, that's important. They heard the message. The angel said, fear not, we've got good news, and we bring good news to you. And the Messiah Messiah prophesied about all the Old Testament prophets. The one that everybody has been hoping for comes to lowly shepherds. Shepherds who were tending sheep in the same fields surrounding Bethlehem that King David would have tended sheep as a boy, same fields. And this is consistent with the theme of Jesus' birth. He is born in a lowly manger. The the message is first told to lowly shepherds. An angel comes, a majestic being, and shares with the shepherds the greatest message that's ever preached. And the question that comes to my mind is, why shepherds? Why, why not the scribes and the Pharisees and these religious people of the day? Why didn't he come to them? Why not all these Jewish leaders, the elite, who, who claimed they were looking for the prophesied Messiah? Why come to shepherds? Look, this is significant because it's the first example of Christ's words. In Luke 5, 32, Jesus, the Pharisees are complaining that Jesus is eating and drinking with sinners, and Jesus says... Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then the same complaint comes up again in Luke 15. The Pharisee Pharisee says, Jesus, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus uses the shepherd analogy. And he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, Jesus is rebuking the, shepherd, the, the Pharisees here. What's the rebuke? The rebuke is that the 99 that need no repentance are the Pharisees. I know some of y'all are going, well, that's not what the last guy who preached this passage said. Because this is a passage I think we've, we've, we've turned into something it's not. This is Christ rebuking the Pharisees for calling him out. The shepherd goes after the one who needs saving. The Pharisees thought they were righteous. They did not think they needed to repent. They thought they followed the law, so therefore they need no repentance. The same ones who would kill the Messiah later. And Jesus did not come to save those who think they don't need to repent. He came to save those who needed repentance. Those who think they've got it figured out and they don't need a Savior... The sick don't need a physician. That's what Jesus said in Luke 5. He came to seek and save the lost, those who realize they need a Savior, those who have swallowed their pride, realize they're not perfect, they're not holy, they're not better than. He didn't come for those who don't see their need for a Savior. He came to seek and save the lost. That's why James 4 says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He came to save those like the shepherds who tremble in holy fear at the awesomeness and the greatness of God. So why shepherds? Well, looking at it now, my question is, why not shepherds? What's the message? Let's look at the message. Verse, verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now look, this is the heart of the gospel. A Savior has come. A Savior that will save his people from their sins. So fear not. God has moved in grace. Humanity has nothing to fear. And then there's more good news in the message. He says, this results in Joy, our Advent topic for the week, and I had a great PowerPoint that I didn't upload this morning, and um, says joy on it. So I just had to picture it. It was awesome, and uh, spent a lot of time on that to not upload it. Uh, look, the good news brings joy for all people. God, the gospel elicits joy. There's not fear. Joy is this. Think about it. This joy is an inward feeling of happiness and contentment that burst forth in rejoicing and praise. Joy comes not just to lowly shepherds, not according to this, the message. It comes to all people. And in the most unlikely place, among the most unlikely spectators, God brushed aside the fears of the world and provided the world a reason to have joy. It's, it's, it's how Paul could write in first, uh, sorry, Peter could write in 1 Peter uh, 1, 8, and 9, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Inexpressible 
and glorious joy. That's, that's deep stuff. This is the stuff that runs deeper than happiness. Look, we, we all love to be happy, right? I mean, happiness is a conversation in our, you know, what, what can I do to make me happy? We make terrible decisions in life searching for happiness. We make great decisions in life searching for happiness. We damage relationships looking for happiness, seeking happiness. But when happiness comes, it's circumstantial. We can lose happiness in a moment. Our circumstances can change. Because happiness comes from a lot of things, some great things. It comes from, you know, kids get happy over birthday parties and balloons and, and, and toys at Christmas. And honestly, your, your favorite song at the right moment and with the right weather will, will bring you some temporary happiness. An encouraging message from a friend, you know, if you're a sports fan, winning the big game. And, I mean, all these things bring happiness, but they're all still all temporary. Look. I've had some meals that made me happy, most of them, as you can tell. And, and they, all those things are good, and they should be savored, they should be enjoyed, but they're fleeting, and, and this thing of pursuing happiness, is, is, it's, it goes so far back. And in fact, Viktor Frankl actually wrote, it's the pursuit of happiness that usually thwarts happiness. But joy runs deeper than happiness. Because joy is not tied to circumstances, neither is peace, like we talked about last week. Joy, joy includes happiness, but it's so much deeper. Joy permeates our souls. It's, it's in our lives. It's the stuff that looks like things like the birth of a child, your wedding day, being free of cancer for good, or, or a loved one coming out of a coma with no brain damage. I mean, those are the kind of things that would give you joy. But joy is rooted in things like gratitude. It's rooted in things like meaning. Joy is tied to, to a fulfilled hope, especially when that hope is tied to our Creator. So joy comes from God with us. And Jesus is the source of our joy. That's why Peter called it inexpressible and glorious joy. And, and with this life and this promise of eternal life beyond this world, we, we find deep joy fills us no matter the pain or the circumstances that we face on this earth. And that's the good news that the shepherds have heard. It's the good news that shows up. In fact, look at verse 13. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The Savior's come and brought peace. We talked about this last week. The angels, servants of God, who have been around since the dawn of creation, they witnessed the fall of Satan and the angels. They witnessed them being thrown from heaven. They witnessed Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. They witnessed Cain killing Abel. They witnessed the people rebelling against God. They witnessed the flood. They witness the devastation that sin has caused humanity. They've seen it all. And when Christ comes to the earth to save humanity itself, the angels shout, glory to God. Christ has come. The Prince of Peace has come to bring peace. And I, I think about this group as this angelic choir, but the word, the word actually here is a military term, an army of angels, cries out in praise to God. I bring peace among those with whom God favors. 
an army cries out, peace is coming. What's peace? Christ came 2,000 years ago to bring peace. Why don't we have peace? Good question. Because the peace he came to bring isn't the peace that we think it is. Not the peace from John Lennon's terrible song, Imagine. That's sappy, childish, miserable version of peace. Christ came to bring spiritual peace. And as we talked about last week, Christ came to bring peace in our relationships with our Heavenly Father. And that's the peace that's being discussed here in this passage. Now, the second thing, this is important. They heard the message, they believed the message. How do we know? How do we know they believed the message? They obeyed the message. They obeyed. They sought the Savior. That's how we know. The angels told them they would find a baby in a manger, and they left. Look in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Awesome. Now, here's the thing. Here's how we know they believed it. Obedience goes hand in hand with belief. We can repeat to ourselves over and over and over again that we believe something, but our actions will prove what we believe. It's why you should never listen to anything a politician says. You should only pay attention to what they do. And yet we've learned that. We've learned that. Until we haven't, and then we try and learn it again. I don't know what's going on there, but... Um, if you believe the message of the gospel like the shepherds believed it, it will show in your obedience. It will reveal itself in obedience to Scripture. But you might be thinking, but Pastor Scott, if an angel came to me and gave me a message and told me to go find a baby in a manger, I would do it. Would you? I mean, let's be honest, would you? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I know you think you would, but I'm not, the, I, I'm not sure that's true. I'm not. In fact, there's a couple of passages in Scripture that tell us it probably wouldn't necessarily happen, not guaranteed. See, we don't need an angel. As believers, we don't need an angel to give us a message in order to be obedient. We have someone way more powerful than an angel. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, who has said he will guarantee we become like Christ. He will motivate you. He will bring you peace. And yes, you're going to struggle. You're going to drop the ball at times. But he will always be there drawing and wooing and pushing us towards Christ's likeness. And you'll walk in obedience. And if he's not doing that in your life, it's probably because you haven't believed the message. You got the complete Word of God, way more message than the shepherds had. You can read to the end. You can see Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But the question is, do you believe the message? Does, it, does your words match your actions? And if, you, if not, if you're not acting like a shepherd, you're acting like a Pharisee. You... you you're all talk. You, you know the right words to say, but knowing the words will actually be the demise 
of those that don't believe the message because you're going to rely on your knowledge, not your faith. And faith without works is a dead faith, so James tells us. So be like a shepherd. Hear the message, believe the message, then obey. The third thing we learn from this passage is verse 17. The shepherd shared the message. Be like a shepherd. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering in, in her heart. So the debate of whether Mary knew or did not know is settled right here. Mary, did she know? Yes, she knew. Still a good song, but she knew. The answer at the end, they should have answered it at the end of the song. Somebody text, somebody tweet Mark Lowry and tell him to come up with another verse, right? They shared the message. Of course they shared the message. I mean, who wouldn't share the message that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is in a manger? He was just born. We've been looking for him for, for thousands of years, and he's come into the world. But you know, if you read this really carefully, there's a part of the story that's miss, missing here. Just in this section, the, the, the shepherds leave something out. Do you, do you notice what they leave out? They don't mention the angels. Now, if an angel tells me some news, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories, right? It's part of growing up in the South. You have to learn how to tell stories. And if an angel shares with me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead that I just saw an army of angels. And I'm sure the angels, you know, they had to come up in the conversation. But, but they're, they're not, they don't really come up here in this part. The angels told them where to find the baby, but what they shared according to verse 17 was not the fact that the angels showed up, but the fact that this baby was the Messiah. And the part that amazed all those who heard was that the baby was the Messiah. So why leave that out? There's a great reason. There's a great reason. The angels weren't the news. They were just the messengers. Which, let's be honest, is kind of crazy. Because if I see thousands of angels, I am. I'm adding that to my story. But the shepherds knew something important. This is what they knew. Their awe of the angels was overshadowed by their awe of the Savior. Because it really wasn't necessary or even vital that the angels shared the message. What was important was born this day in the city of David as a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's a very practical lesson for us here in this text. The message of the gospel doesn't need angels to make it better. The message of the gospel doesn't need smoke and mirrors. The message of the gospel doesn't need empirical evidence it doesn't need bigger speakers or better guitar solos or superstar preachers. It doesn't need better lights and bigger smoke machines. The gospel does not need gimmicks. The message is enough on its own. It doesn't need help. It just needs to be shared. Because our role in the gospel, our role as believers, is not to convince anyone that the message is true. It's to share the message and let the Holy Spirit do the convincing. 
You weren't convinced of the truth of the gospel because you heard a great apologetic for whether Jesus really came out of the grave or not. And look, I'm not knocking apologetics. I love it. It's, and there's some, some value to it. But it was the Holy Spirit that convinced you of the truth of the message, not the moment. And our role is to share what we've heard, share what we believe, because it's the greatest message that's ever been told. And the message that brings joy and peace is all ultimately anybody wants in this life. And belief in the gospel brings satisfaction to the dissatisfied. It brings hope to the hopeless. It brings peace to those who cannot find peace. And ultimately manifest in a joy that is inexpressible and glorious. And that's not just some random preacher cliche. It was what Christ said he came to do. If you want peace, if you want joy, if you want hope, if you want love, follow Christ, be like a shepherd. Share the message. Look, and it's simple. This is the message. I met Jesus, the Savior of the world, and it changed my life. It, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. That's a conversation starter if there's ever been one. Last thing, number four. At the end, after it was all said and done, the shepherds returned to the sheep, but they returned changed. Ah, come on, what a night these shepherds have just had. Can you imagine? I mean, think about it. Put yourself in the place of the shepherds. They've, they're in a field just being shepherds. An angel comes and gives them a message, and then 10,000 more angels show up and, and shout some more message. They go to Bethlehem. They find the Messiah that has been prophesied for thousands of years. They meet Mary and Joseph. They see the baby. They've had their moment. Now what? Now what are they going to do? They're going to go back to being shepherds. They're going to go back to the sheep. I mean, it seems like a letdown. Now I just have to go back to being a sheep shepherd? No. They went back, but they were changed. It says it, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. They go back in awe of God. And, and this strange, wonderful decision to share the good news of the coming of the Christ with lowly shepherds. Their entire culture told them they were spiritually unclean, that God wouldn't bother with them because they didn't follow the rituals. God is not going to bother with you because you're just not good enough. Jesus came for the sick. He came for the lowly. He came for those that need a Savior. But look, the angels didn't hang around forever. When they returned, the angels were gone. And when they returned, the sheep still smelled. They were still stinky sheep. 
They were still having to sleep on the ground. Culture didn't change. Culture still said, y'all are unworthy. The Pharisees still called them unclean. They're still ridiculed. And I am sure that the story, as awesome as it was, eventually kind of lost a little of the passion. They've been telling it. And it eventually started to be like, you know, hey, y'all remember that time? Those, you know, we're like 10, 12 years down the road. You remember that time the angel showed up and told us that? Oh, yeah, it was good times. I remember that. I remember that. Lost a little bit of the, that initial. Man, that was pretty great. Man, I miss those times. I wish we could go back to some angels. Man, I wish some angels would show up. We need, man, I, I tell you, I'm, I've been, I've been, Doing this a long time, it'd be nice if an angel would just show up and give me some like new something, just you know, a little Christian spiritual spurs, to get me up and going. Right? Y'all ever found yourself there? And yeah, I'm obviously speculating here, but the shepherds were human. And I know how humanity works. I'm sure eventually they kind of kind of wore off a little bit. Look, I've been. In church, my whole life, my whole life, my, I was born on like a Wednesday and was in the nursery on Sunday. And that's not an exaggeration. That's a real story. I mean, I obviously don't remember it, but I've been told that. I've been a believer for 30, I don't know, I have to do some math in my head, 34 years. You don't know how many... Church Christmas sermons I've sat through. How many times I've heard these angels talk to these shepherds. I don't know how many church services I've been in. I was in a season where I was in church 250 to 300 nights a year for seven or eight years, and that's not an exaggeration. So I stand up here at 50, amazed that the message is just as powerful today as it was when I first heard it and believed it. And it will be powerful to those who hear it and believe it. It will change their lives like it changed yours. So if you're going through your normal day and the mundane and the just in and out of the Christian life, you don't need an angel to show up and help you get some Christian energy. You just need to remember the gospel. You just need to remember the message. Believe it and share it. Be like a shepherd. Today, those shepherds, be like the shepherds that heard the gospel. That's that's the place we've got to start. But what happens next doesn't just affect you here on earth. It affects you for eternity because hearing the message requires a response. Your response may be to ignore what you've heard, or it may be to respond. Be like a shepherd. Don't ignore the message that the Messiah has come. Believe it and obey it. Which means for those of us who have already heard it and believed it, we need to check ourselves. We need to check our actions. And by our actions, I mean, do your actions align with your beliefs? And look, we're humans. There's, that happens all the time where we get out of alignment and we have to kind of, you know, put ourselves in the spiritual tire shop and say, hey, straighten this out for me. Don't charge me an arm and a leg for it, right? The world will know us by our fruit. It will know us by our love for one another. 
Do our actions match our beliefs? Be like the shepherd. Share the message. The angels told the shepherds, do not fear because the Redeemer has come. And the shepherds couldn't help but share the message. The news was too good not to share. They shared it with friends. They shared it with family. They shared it with strangers. The Savior has come. A Savior who is Christ the Lord, who is bringing joy and peace and hope and love in a way that you've never understood before. Be like a shepherd. Go back to wherever you live and work and play. But go back changed. Don't go back how you were. Go back with rejoicing that the good news of Christ has changed your life and rejoice in what God has done. Rejoice in the hope of Christ. That's how we be like a shepherd. For all you English people out there, I hope I'm messing with you, right? Be like a shepherd. 